Just a quick note that the financial and business information you're going to hear in this episode is for informational purposes only. It is not to be relied upon to make any lending or business decisions as it does not consider your individual circumstances. From birth, I've been taken around the paddocks, you know, with mum and dad. Yeah, I just always knew that I was going to grow up to be a farmer. Hayley Patterson is a cattle farmer near Daniloquin in southern New South Wales. I did have a bit of time in high school where I thought, oh, women can't be farmers, they can only be farmers' wives. I can't remember a specific time when I was like, oh, actually, women can be farmers. Um, I think it was just coming across other women that are out there being farmers. I now despise the term farmer's wife because the men certainly wouldn't be able to run the business on their own. Hayley met her husband, Matt, while she was at uni. They were young, ambitious, and shared a dream of having their own farm one day, one that was big enough to support them without the need for off-farm income. We're both from multi-generational farming families. I didn't have any desire to go back to my farming family. It's too cold in Bathurst for me. Dad is still pretty healthy, so he's still running the farm full-time by himself. And it's certainly not a big enough farm to support more than one family. My brother is just starting to go through the process now of um, succession planning and slowly taking over and purchasing the land from my parents. But it didn't appeal to me. And Matt's family farm isn't big enough to support a, another family. So, yeah. This meant Haley and Matt would need to reach their goals off their own bat. And things moved a lot quicker than they expected. Certainly never thought I was going to be a farmer so uh, young. But when farming is your passion and you're a professional at it, and you read the newspaper about agricultural topics on the weekend or, you know, your holidays might revolve around going and looking at cattle. You know, when it's your passion, there's more money in it because you're, you're more open to finding opportunities. I'm Sam Loy and you're listening to Propagate, a podcast devoted to young farmers and fishers. This season is for aspiring farmers who aren't inheriting a farm. We're exploring different pathways to ownership and chatting to farmers going their own way. Most of the farmers we've spoken to for this series have long-term plans to purchase a farm. But the part where they actually buy the farm is usually quite late in the piece. It normally happens after years of planning and churning through their goals list just to reach the destination of ownership. For Haley and Matt, things went a little differently. They bought a farm early. Then they worked hard to keep it going and pay it off, expanding their territory as they went. And things weren't always easy. Back when they were still at uni, Haley and Matt wanted to rack up as much farming experience as they could. Towards the end of 2007, my husband got a job on a farm close to here. And then I 
scored a job there as well. And we just thought, yep, this is going to be good. We'll just stay here for a couple of months and then travel around Australia, learning different ways of running farms and getting a heap of experience under our belts to then use that on our own farm. But then when the opportunity came up for a management position, when we were so young, like 23 and 25, we would have been mad to pass it up. Hayley and Matt knew they were locked into this farm for the foreseeable future. They abandoned their travel plans and thought about how they could progress their farming ambitions where they were. And so they decided to buy their first herd. I mean, when you've only got, say, 20 or 40 grand, there's not particularly with interest rates they are now. Like back when we were doing it, you know, I could put money into a term deposit and was it 4 or 5%. So I suppose... With our funds, we saw it as we can make more money off investing in livestock than investing in term deposits, say. Matt's dad is a livestock agent, and he came across some really nice heifers, which Matt was then able to purchase. Buying our first livestock was like, wow, like, this is real. And it's such an awesome feeling working for yourself. So, yeah, you, you get the pride when you get your own mob and you manage them how you want. It's really euphoric. The farm owners they were working for had a lot of trust in them. So when Matt and Haley asked about some adjustment land, they were happy to provide it. We were extremely fortunate to have such a generous boss because then we were able to use his bulls And then I was allowed to have a mob of sheep. So I went and purchased some ewes and some rams. And that's how we sort of got our start. We had like we had the money to go and to purchase that livestock that we'd saved up. And then, yeah, just gradually building up those numbers as I suppose we became more skilled and was able to make the boss more money then we were allowed to up our cattle numbers. We then decided, right, oh, well, how can we make more money per head? So we brought in EU accreditation onto the farm. So that was a massive job to scan all the cattle, find out their traceability status, and then submit all that to UCAS. But that was really good because all of a sudden, then you've got access to 20 cents a kilo premium for your stock. So we've really looked hard into what premiums are out there and how achievable they are for our farming system. We're very fortunate to have a, um, a boss that was, I suppose, willing to look outside the box in terms of employee satisfaction and ways to keep employees working. The adjustment arrangement didn't just benefit Haley and Matt. The owners they worked for stood to gain from it too. We were obviously more willing to stick around at carving heifers because we were carving heifers at the same time. It's not a drag because you're carving your own. When you've got something there that's so tangible and it's not just a paycheck, it just makes it so much more enjoyable. It's difficult to put into words. It's not just a job. It becomes your life. Haley and Matt were pretty happy with the position they were in. They'd been making good money for a few years, 
and their savings were growing. Yeah, and I think like we just enjoyed the work. The property that we were on was really good fun. It had exceptional fishing, really good hunting. It was just something we really enjoyed. You know, we would train dogs as well. It was our life and it's what we wanted. One day, Matt went on a short trip out of town. When he got back, he had some unexpected news. And he said, oh, get organised, we're going to go and have a look at a farm. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) This is the first I've heard about this. They travelled out to the property, an 1,800-acre farm called Minmai near the Victorian border. They were interested in having a weekender they could fix up over time, and they both had good jobs on the farm that Matt managed. So they decided to give it a crack. Yeah, had no idea what we were doing in terms of applying for loans and stuff like that. I think we just, because we knew we could definitely service the loan, but didn't quite understand that banks aren't as trusting (laughs) as what we had hoped. Yeah, we, we put the offer in and then looked for banks. Pretty sure it's meant to be the other way around. <laughs> so that was pretty interesting. It was challenging to find a bank that would support us in buying that because we had no credit history at all. We'd never had a loan. We'd never had a credit card. But we had a sizable deposit because we'd been on a good wicket as managers They'd saved up pretty well, but they didn't quite have the whole deposit ready to go. They needed to bridge a shortfall, but they weren't sure how. With some persistence, they eventually matched with a bank manager who had an interesting suggestion. He was the only one that came up with the idea, well, you know, you've got these livestock, let's just mortgage them. And then that gets you up to your 30% deposit that you need. Haley had never heard of mortgaging livestock, but she had 70 cows available. The bank manager explained how it would work. So what usually happens is with livestock loans, companies will say, Rotto, we're going to approve you to go and buy, you know, whatever livestock that you choose. And then you go and purchase the livestock and then those livestock are then mortgaged. What we did was a little bit different because we already owned the livestock. We just mortgaged them and took that equity and put it into the property. I see it's more common now to see livestock loans for purchasing livestock, particularly after a drought when people haven't got as much cash behind them. Um, Yeah, so it was just a matter of identifying those cows and then mortgaging them and getting an appraisal for what they're worth. The bank manager's suggestion paid off, and Haley and Matt were approved for a loan for Minmai. Without mortgaging their livestock, they wouldn't have been able to purchase their farm. Mortgaging livestock to get a loan is an option. We checked in with Brad Sewell, our regular guest on this season of Propagate. Brad works as an ag financial advisor and he says that mortgaging livestock is a legitimate pathway and maybe more common than we think. I had eight years uh, working for livestock finance companies 
uh, it's a, a great way to help yourself get started as long as you uh, are always aware of the debts that you owe um, because you, you'll have a bank debt on the property and then you'll have equipment finance debt on your vehicles and tractors and then you add another debt for your livestock. You just need to be aware of what all your commitments are um, with regards to your farming business and also be aware that these days that uh, all lenders take what's called general security agreements, which uh, um, is a sort of a charge potentially over all your assets. Only really comes into play if you get into financial difficulty and all the lenders are trying to ensure that their position is protected. Uh, but with livestock finance, um, probably one of the things you need to be uh, really careful about is when you take the finance, who owns the stock? Uh, there are some finance facilities that work quite well, but the reality is, that you do not own the stock, you're effectively just taking the profit off the top. So the financier actually holds the stock on their balance sheet and you get the difference between what the stock were bought for and what the stock were sold for, less some interest. So um, some of the more traditional lenders in the country actually do have finance facilities where you own the stock and they they just basically lend you the money at an interest rate. So, um, yeah, but the main thing to take consideration of is um, being aware that you have all these debts around you and making sure you've got enough money to um, meet your commitments. Haley and Matt were now free to take over Minmai. Suddenly, they were in charge of a huge bit of land that they needed to make profitable. But the property wasn't in much of a condition to make money yet. So Minmai was owned by a lady looking to retire. It was being run pretty loosely. So the fences, the, the internal fences were pretty poor. I think she was just running cattle. I think she did a little bit of cropping, uh, but she had workers to do that for her. She was enjoying her gardening more than getting out in the farm, which is totally understandable at, at her age. The main assets on the farm were really, really good. Very good shedding, very good house, very good uh, silos. The fences were really the only thing that needed attending to, which is something that we actually really enjoy. Not many people do. Yeah, it didn't worry us at all. It was a young person's farm, that's for sure. Weekends became devoted to Minmai. But Haley and Matt still needed to pay it off. They had two main income streams, their day jobs on the other farm they managed and their livestock revenue, and soon they added a third. After working all day on the farm, they would shoot rabbits professionally at night. Those early days were long and tough, and they pretty soon learned the value of building good relationships in the area. The owner of the farm that employed them was a huge support. We didn't have enough money to go and buy a truck, a plough, a tractor, a spray rig, all the stuff that you need to run a farm, we couldn't afford. So being surrounded by neighbours that could see that we were, you know, we were having a crack and, yeah, they were really willing to help us out, lend us gear, we were very lucky. We just had so much energy back then and... Because we both had a common goal, it was just so easy to want to work towards that. And as we started seeing the dream materialise in terms of 
oh, you know, we went and bought our first mob of stock or we had some calves that we were really happy with. Each time that we could see that we were working towards that milestone, it just gave us more motivation to keep going. We made a lot of sacrifices though. Like I remember we didn't go to a friend's wedding. Yeah, we missed out on a lot of, you know, going to the pub and just socialising because we were shooting. But even in our toughest times, there's never been a suggestion that farming is not for us. A few years passed at this pace. There were wins along the way, including buying some neighbouring land and expanding their acreage. But this meant a mortgage increase and a healthy work-life balance was becoming harder and harder to achieve. Then they suddenly had more on their plate. When I first got pregnant, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, the kids will just come to work. It'll be fine. Uh, Definitely doesn't work that way. Kids have their own interests and, you know, they don't want to be driving around mustering cattle all day. They want to do kid stuff. So, uh, yeah, just trying to trying to balance that out has been a real challenge. Haley and Matt were juggling Minmai, the other property they managed, and raising their three young kids. It was busy and unsustainable for both parents to do it all. They were eager to accelerate Minmai into a more self-sufficient farm, but that meant finding a more reasonable balance between them. So Haley decided to step back from their off-farm employment and be at home for a while. The shift was a tough adjustment for Haley. She was used to being on the front line of their farming adventures. Now, she was putting her career on hold to raise the kids and filling any spare time she could with upkeep of Minmai. Being confined to the farm was isolating and lonely for Haley. It was an hour to the closest town for a couple with a friend. And more than anything, she wanted more time to be a farmer. But the isolation did allow her to reflect on what she really wanted out of Minmai. I've really identified that I need more social connection, uh, which is why I have now started going down the track of paddock to plate and agri-tourism. Haley started thinking about new business ventures for Minmai, like running their own stud and paddock to plate beef box business and opening a farm stay on the property. All ideas that would connect their farm to the community and connect people to the food they eat. It took a decade in total, but Haley and Matt's sacrifices eventually delivered. They were becoming less reliant on off-farm income and the land was being paid off. This freed Haley up to follow those dreams. So last year, Matt had indicated that he was going to step back from his off-farm income position. Um, So I thought, oh, beauty, now it's my turn. He can be a stay-at-home dad and I can, you know, start up something that I actually really enjoy and focus on my career for a bit um, because I realised I didn't want to dedicate more time to working out in the paddock because it just isn't social enough. I needed more interaction with adults. Matt began transitioning into more days on Minmai and Haley started taking the farm to its full paddock-to-plate potential. So I started developing that in time for 
Matt stepping back. He reduced his days um, off farm at Christmas and I killed my first animals the week before Christmas. So, (laughs) uh, which so far, so good. This local butcher that sells uh, free-range pork, they sell online all over New South Wales and Victoria and I just really like that model. So I approached them. So they do all our butchering and then we sell online and then we can deliver it um, all over New South Wales and Victoria. And, yeah, it's since the pandemic, I think it's become a more popular option. After years in the trenches, Hayley and Matt launched Patterson Pastoral. They're feeling optimistic about the future and the balance they're working towards. So we've definitely identified that we need to focus less on what makes the most profit and more on what we actually enjoy because we're in a position where we can afford to do that. So we're still earning a really good living running livestock the way that we do and that's that's one of the reasons why I've been able to go into paddock to plate is because I can afford to. You know, our livelihood doesn't depend on these couple of steers that, you know, I'm mucking around with. So it's having that financial freedom to do that has been why we've been able to go down this path. As we've grown, like each time, it's a really good feeling to think, oh, you know, we must be doing something right because we're getting bigger. It's a really good feeling. Every episode of Season 3 is already available right now. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Propagate is brought to you by the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries Young Farmer Business Program. Thanks for listening.